Real quick before we get started with today's show, if you have not joined our Facebook group, go ahead and do so. It is facebook.com backslash this story is not podcast. And if you have a story suggestion for the show, it is this story is nuts at gmail.com. This week's episode of This Story is Nuts is unlike one that I have done before on this show. It is a story that came out just recently, and when you know the details, you can't help but notice how completely crazy it truly is. That being said, this story is also incredibly graphic, and listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm your host, Missy, and I'm about to take you on a wild ride. Stories with plot twists, shocking endings, and unbelievable truths. Trust me when I tell you that this story is nuts. Taylor Denise Coronado legally changed her name to Taylor Denise Shabusiness in 2018. And she had had several prior run-ins with the law in the years leading up to 2022. Charges which included battery, resisting arrest, bail jumping, and possession of drug paraphernalia. Friends of Taylor's stated that she was a kind person, but that she had struggled with addiction. An addiction that would lead the 24-year-old woman to commit an unthinkable crime. A crime that would leave the residents of Green Bay, Wisconsin shocked. And a crime that Assistant District Attorney Caleb Saunders would call one of the most serious offenses in this county in some time. The night of February 21st, 2022 began with Taylor and a friend picking up mutual friend, Shad Thyron, at around 9.30 p.m. It is important to note here that Shad and Taylor were not just friends. In fact, the two had been engaging in some sort of sexual relationship. Once they picked up Shad, the three of them would drive back to Taylor's residence on Eastman Avenue, where they would all three smoke pot and some meth. The other friend would eventually leave, and once he left, Taylor and Shad would shoot up a drug called trazodone, which is an antidepressant slash sedative. At some point, either later Monday night, the 21st, or early the morning of the 22nd, Shad's mother's boyfriend claimed he saw the two go into the basement of Shad's mother's house, where Shad had still lived. The boyfriend would also claim that he heard voices talking in the basement that Tuesday, but neither Taylor nor Shad were actually seen on that day. On the morning of February 23rd, Shad's mother was awoken by the sound of the storm door being slammed shut. She had figured that Taylor had left, but still got up to investigate. It was then that she noticed a light was still on in the basement, and so she decided to go downstairs and see if her son was still home. As she looked around the basement, she didn't see anything out of the ordinary. But as she made her way back toward the staircase, she would notice a black bucket sitting at the bottom of the stairs, with a towel draped over the top of it. As she lifted the towel off the bucket, she would be met with a gruesome sight. In the bucket was the severed head of Shad Tyron her 25-year-old son. Immediately, she would call the police and they would quickly suspect Taylor, who was the last person seen with Shad. 
When they arrived at Taylor's home, they noticed her van parked out front. And Taylor would exit her apartment and would stop in her tracks when she noticed the police there. When they asked her if she knew why they were there, Taylor, who still had dried blood on her sweatshirt and her sweatpants, and even had dried blood on her hands, would respond, Because of my warrant? Police would search Taylor's minivan, and in the rear passenger seat, they would find a crockpot box, a severed leg inside. When they took Taylor in for questioning, they noticed she had a cut thumb and scratches on her arm. Her demeanor showed no remorse for the events that had happened the previous evening. When detectives told her that they had found Shad's head in his mother's basement, she said, that's effed up, using, of course, the word. And she admitted that she had left the rest of the body parts in the basement at the home and that detectives would have a fun time finding them since she dismembered the body. According to Taylor, she had wanted to bring all of the body parts with her, but she got lazy and only brought the leg with her, forgetting the head. She was quoted saying, Oh, the head. I can't believe I forgot the head. Taylor would go on to tell Green Bay detectives how she killed Shad and warning, This is one of the most disturbing cases I have ever researched. And this part could be a little bit graphic. According to Taylor, almost immediately when the two returned to Shad's residence, he brought out chains, silver and chain link, and a dog choke collar, one set for him and the other for her. According to Taylor, the two had used chains during sex in the past before. Shad had been laying face down on the mattress as Taylor began to choke him with the chain. She could feel his heart still beating as she choked him, and she decided she wanted to continue to choke him to see what would happen. Taylor would claim she blacked out a few times while choking Shad, but she had already gone this far, so she might as well continue. She watched Shad's face turn purple and he began to cough up blood, the entire process taking anywhere from three to five minutes before Shad would die. Taylor would claim that she just quote-unquote went crazy and that she hadn't planned to kill him initially, but she had in fact liked doing so. After Shad's death, she spent the entire day on Tuesday with his body, engaging in sexual acts with him after his death. Now, I'm not going to go into detail on what those acts were, but as I was researching this case, I did get far more information than I needed here. And let's just say that I cover a lot of true crime cases, and a lot of the details of this case made me audibly gasp, and maybe even slightly nauseous. If you want to know exact details, I'm sure you could find them online, but I'm not going to get into those here. Now, when Taylor decided to dismember the body, she pulled the body to the edge of the mattress and the black bucket underneath the head. Sources here made it sound like she might have used several knives before finally settling on the bread knife, which, according to her, worked best due to its serrated edges. Taylor would then get to work cutting up the body using the bucket and a tote to collect the blood that she would then dump into the drain in the basement's stand-up shower. She would place Shad's head and male organ in the bucket. His torso with several rigid cuts as well as the knife and several internal organs in the tote and several other body parts would be placed in plastic bags all over the basement. When police asked Taylor if Shad had fought back during the attack, she admitted that he had. Taylor Denisha Business was married at the time of the murder, her husband in jail, on unrelated charges. Taylor also has a son that was born in 2021,
but also at the time of the murder, she did not have custody of her child. She is charged with first-degree intentional homicide, mutilating a corpse, and third-degree sexual assault. At the time of this podcast, she is currently being held on a $2 million cash bond. This is arguably one of the worst cases that the state of Wisconsin has seen since probably the early 90s, with our infamous serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer. And Ann Schwartz, the woman who broke the story on the serial killer in 1991, also had something to say about this case as well. She said, One of the things that I have found out from talking to different sources of mine on this case is that the suspect in this case had an infatuation almost with Jeffrey Dahmer and with Jeffrey Dahmer's crimes. Now, I know I haven't really talked about Jeffrey Dahmer on this show before, but if you don't know who he is, he was an infamous serial killer from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who killed and dismembered and even cannibalized some of his victims. In total, Dahmer murdered about 17 men in Ohio and Wisconsin between 1978 and 1991. He was eventually beaten to death while in prison while serving his life sentence. Obviously, since this is a case that just broke, there might be some new details that come out, and if there are, I will definitely keep you all updated. A way that you can get updates is by joining our Facebook group, and if you are not on it, go ahead and join that today. It's facebook.com backslash this story is nuts podcast. And if you have a story suggestion, please let me know. Send me an email at thisstoryisnuts at gmail.com. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks again for tuning in and come back next week for an all new episode of This Story Is Nuts, which drops every single Wednesday at midnight. But until then, stay nutty, but maybe not too nutty, my friends.
This Story's Nuts was written and produced by Missy Reese with music by Logan Reese off of Groovepad.